Hello and welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Hamish, Geek Dad, Steel. Aww. Yeah. I'm Jade, podcast and historic on Fury Road, Rose. <laughs> and it's our fourth No Box Vox Pop, the episodes where we answer your questions. Yes, bum, your bum, bum. queries. You need to stop doing that. I want to push it. I want to make it a thing. You want to make it a thing. <sighs> um, yeah, we got a f- fair few amount of questions. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Um, we are... We were a bit worried for a moment. We weren't going to have a, a whole lot to talk about, and we just have to resort to asking each other random questions. Uh, but <laughs> that you might be to... a good episode. We should do that. Yes, but that's not what we're doing. No, um, we'll do a getting to know your podcast hosts episode. <sighs> yeah, twenty-eight episodes in. <laughs> yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> no, I thought we should finally introduce ourselves. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did a final push for questions, and I think that I'm going to do that more in the future rather than. Um, uh, ask oh in a few weeks we might do one let's get some questions I think actually doing a final like we're okay, recording we're... in 24 hours yes because actually our questions are quite topical and relevant yes and that that's what we like here at uh, we want to be relevant and topical that's good <laughs> um, uh, before we get into answering your questions though I wanted to do a little bit of a self call out mm-hmm. um, I, I hope uh, nobody like messaged us and complained or something but uh, on listening back to our gaze in space episode i realized that a lot of my thinking was framed around sort of very much around trans non-binary people uh, as opposed to people identifying as trans men and trans women whose experiences and representation is a different thing to what i might be looking for for representation that reflects me and I just wanted to say a, a couple of quick sort of thoughts on that, because often in a future setting, you can make arguments of things are a lot easier to transition for people. Um, but that doesn't eradicate trans people. Just because we might have easier means of transitioning doesn't mean that that aspect of who you are as a person isn't there. So, yeah, I just wanted to sort of hold my hands up and say I should have said that when we were making the episode and I should have just had that thought in my mind when talking about my trans siblings because their experiences are not my experiences and my experiences were already sort of obviously kind of framing what I was talking about. So I wanted to give a, a just a little nod to that. That's very uh, nice of you. But I also think um, we say from a, from a queer perspective as part of our show, but it's really our mm. own perspectives and experiences and quite often we try and tackle very very big topics that's true but it, a very small thing it was just something that hit me when i was listening back to the episode yeah. where i liked a lot of our content and realized that i'd maybe dropped the ball a little bit there mm-hmm. while i certainly can't speak to everyone's experiences i'd like to you know maybe remind our listeners and myself that just because we're talking about from our perspectives doesn't mean we shouldn't be wary of and discuss others yeah but th- th- that was it. Thank you for allowing me to flagellate myself at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> um, without further um, self-flagellation, <laughs> um, shall we get on some questions? Let's get on to some questions. Okay, dokie. I've um, labelled these completely... Uh, <laughs> we colour-code our notes. 
I have not Carla Covey's question, so I don't know who's going to be asking, but that can be part of the surprise. Yeah, we'll dive in. Um, I'll ask this first one okay. because I feel like you're going to have significantly more to say in terms of an answer. Yeah. Uh, Gabriel on the Facebook group asked... <laughs> which are uh, dream, d- dream, yeah, dream Daddy, a dad dating simulation? Question mark. Your opinion before playing it and your opinion after. Well, I think I... In a previous episode, talked mm-hmm. quite heavily about my opinions before in our last catch up geek out. Yeah. Um, and but now the game has come out. Now the game has come out, and I've played it. I have not completed it, but I've not even once. No, I've been so busy. Oh, okay. Um, but Your I've dad been... first is lacking. Yeah. Well, I'm. I've got my own dad. Um... <laughs> mm. <laughs> that feels strange. Um... Phrasing. <laughs> Yes. Um, but I have been very keeping aware of everything. I think, mm-hmm. basically, um, I think it was still okay and right to have all of the worries. Yeah. Um, I think it's very okay to be very defensive when media comes out that's meant to be representing you. Mm-hmm. Um, but very quickly into the game, I realised, oh, okay, yeah, this is good. Um, little things like... The fact that half the body type options are trans men. The uh, binder body is Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, I mean, that canonically, indisputably representation, but obviously you can have theories about any other kind of body type, but I just thought to even include that as an option and to make it half the options yeah. was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, at the very early stages of the game, when you're talking to your daughter, who is the best character in the game, and like <laughs> the game doesn't make me want to date a daddy, it makes me want to be a father. <laughs> like, okay, that's the kind of aspirational. Imagine having a daughter this amazing and perfect. That's the kind of yeah feeling I get from the game. Um, and very straight away, you have a conversation with her, and you get to sort of decide. Your backstory a little bit. Oh, that's cool. You get to decide if uh, she was adopted or not, and if you had a if it was with a husband or a wife or things like that. Um, as the game goes on, it does lots of really interesting things. Um, I will say the only negative thing I have about the game is a problem I have with dating Sims. Okay, because it doesn't really feel like I'm actually dating. Uh, someone. Yeah. It feels like I'm watching a romantic story, and my dad Sona has such a strong personality in the game that doesn't quite match up with mine. Yeah, that I feel like I'm just sort of guiding a romance. Yeah, novel. I, I've seen people talk about the difference between a visual novel and a dating sim uh, quite a lot in the stuff I've been reading about. Who are you romancing? Who are, you, who are you currently? Well, dating? I'm kind of doing quite. A, I'm kind of like romancing a few of them. Uh, but, that, but this is the thing. Like I, having not played any dating sims, or really uh, visual novels. Yeah. I expected the games to be the game to be a bit more nuanced in terms of you're watching the story and everything you say is important, and the dad that's right for you kind of comes forward. Yeah. Whereas after a kind of an introduction chapter, mm-hmm. you then just select a dad, can go on three dates with them. You've got to make sure you say the right thing to win their approval. Right. And then at the end you win 
like the yeah. fact that you dated them three times. Yeah. Which feels a bit weird because it feels like I'm changing myself more to fit them. Ah, uh, that Sandra Day syndrome. <sighs> yeah. Um, that said, I'm mostly enamored with uh, Matt, the coffee hipster. Excellent. Because uh, he's mostly, he's the closest to who I would actually date in real life. Yeah. Um, everyone always assumes I'd go with Brian, the chubby one, just because I haven't, I, I, I've been known. <laughs> Your um, predilections. <laughs> but he, he looks like everything I dislike about the bear community and it's, uh, it's own narrow body type shaming things. Oh, and, fair enough. Uh, and then there's... Also, what's really exciting is that um, the co-creator of the game, uh, Leighton, has followed me on Twitter. Oh, cool. Um, because I was had raising concerns about yeah. before, and I thought that was a really interesting thing That's always a do. good sign of a creator, like someone yeah. who wants to and engage. Like, she's liked a lot of my uh, tweets about it, even when I've, like, not been concerned, but for example, at the start of the game... Um, uh, Joseph, who's the the youth uh, pastor, the yeah. youth pastor, comes into your house, and I made a tweet just saying, "Please leave my house. I know who you voted for." <laughs> and uh, Leighton liked that. Um, That's good. I do know he's involved in a slightly. There's a lot of endings to this game, and one has become slightly notorious. Is that the one that they deleted? I don't know if they deleted. No, this is this is part of an. Uh, I know there's been some controversy. Controversy. Mm. I'm going to make Sean Connery. Um, controversy. <laughs> I'm just going to make Hamish laugh while he's trying to drink some water. I'm very sorry. No, you just imagine me... You just. I keep thinking up novelty dating sim ideas, and one, the one you just made me think of is just a James Bond dating uh, simulator where... You would end up dead at the end, because that's how it goes <laughs> in James Bond. You play as Money Penny, and you have access to all the Bonds. <laughs> uh, okay. But yeah, um, I know that there was an ending that I believe was completely scrapped. Um, a Sort of a cult li- I think that's still in it. Oh, I heard that there's just remnants of it left and it was oh. axed. I don't know. I'm trying to like both keep a track of the discourse and also avoid spoilers. Yeah. Which is an, a tough place to be and I find myself in quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, um I'm I have seen some of the critis excuse me, some of the criticisms uh leveled at the game, some of which seem to be from a genuine place, others Uh we've got an episode coming up talking about uh the criticism levied at queer creators and uh yeah part of our reason for doing that episode was inspired by a lot of the stuff we're seeing around uh dream daddy now yeah i think i might be talking more about the controversy yeah uh there there's stuff about one of the dads being trans yes and a very strange discourse explosion happening about that but i've probably talked about it on a later date i think in answer to the question yeah um my f- my initial fears no longer exist. Well, that's good. It feels... I was worried it would be a game about me, not for me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a good... It's a very good bit of queer media. Cool. Um, but that's good. There's other issues, but they were yeah. new. Cool. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Ask uh, away. From Luther on our Facebook group. And I just want to say our Facebook group is a very good place to ask questions. And yes. I've seen people using it more and growing in popularity, and I really love it. Uh, but Luther asked, what's the best McElroy product? Oh, best? That is, oh, that is such a difficult thing to quantify. Mm-hmm. Like, it depends what you like about 
the McElroys. If I was recommending a singular McElroy product, I would probably say watch the TV show now that you can get it on iTunes yeah. here in the UK. Because I think, one, it gives you a good grounding of who each brother is, which if you're just listening to the audio can take a little time to... Uh, yes. That too, Justin and Travis in particular can sound very similar in the way that siblings do. But um, now I, because I, I love the TV show, I'm also listen to most of the podcasts. Um, I don't listen to some of Travis's solo ones because Travis does like a hundred. But I listen to Mabimbam, The Adventure Zone, and I listen to Sawbones, Rose Buddies, and Schmanners sometimes, and The Kind Rewind, which are the two that Travis and his wife Teresa do. Um, I would say go for the TV show because I think you're a really good idea of what sort of comedy the brothers sort of trade in. But, um, and it's really good fun. Uh, if you like um, more narrative-based things then or more stories, then go for The Adventure Zone. If you like medical history, go for Sawbones. If you are interested in The Bachelor series of products... Listen to Rose Buddies, which I don't watch any of, but I listen to anyway because I really like listening to Griffin and Rachel talk. Medical history was absolutely not the thing I thought I'd want to listen to because I'm very squeamish, but it's actually a very good podcast. I really do. And um, Laura K. Buzz, who's uh, mm. somebody we know was on um, when they did the episode about Pride, uh, they did an episode around uh, gender confirmation surgery and Laura was their guest. Yes, and that it was, was cool. It was really cool to hear somebody I know on there. And I was like, <laughs> holy shit, that's Laura. Yeah, I'm hoping to see her at Nine yeah. Worlds. Yeah, Nine Worlds. Um, I'd say the best one is Time Belt. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> for hardcore fans. Uh, they did some public access uh, science fiction educational drama series um, as kids. And they're adorable. And Clint McElroy, their dad, mm -hmm. is so similar to Travis. It's spooky. All right. Um no, I would I would also recommend the TV show because um it was a slow uh I think it's an easier sell sail into e McElroy products when you were trying to recommend me things. Yeah. It actually took an episode of Interrobang, which no longer exists. <laughs> um, oh no, the, the episodes are still yeah, out they, there. They're still uh, episodes. Interrobang's retired. Um but yeah, but the thing with the TV show is I could just show anyone a clip. Yeah. And they'd be like, oh, that looks funny. Yeah. And instantly get it. For sure. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, on Tumblr, we got a question from Jet Grind Jaguar. <laughs> that shouldn't have been that hard to say. I'm very sorry. Um, who asked if either of us are into trading card games. Um, they said that Magic the Gathering and board games are very much their geeky pastime with their queer friends. Are you? No. no, it's in no. It, it doesn't. It's not a thing to be embarrassed about. Oh, no, I kind of like the idea of playing Magic: The Gathering, but there's like a lot to it. Well, my understanding, you can get a basic deck and yes. go. But all the people I know who play Magic: The Gathering have been playing it for a while and have got all these custom decks, and I'm just there like. This was a very last minute question, and I was partly going to save it for next time, but I want to talk about it now mm -hmm. because. Uh, last weekend, I went on my tour you did. of comic book shops, and almost every comic book shop had Magic the Gathering going on on their Saturday or Sunday. Oh, that's cool. Um, also, I was usually sat directly opposite a massive pile of 
Pokemon cards. Yeah. And I became very aware that earlier in the year, when I was very into Pokemon cards again, was like, oh, I was just horribly, horribly depressed. (laughs) And I've realized that every time I've been really into Pokemon cards, it's not been a good time in my life mentally. Um, So I'm trying to, like, stay away from them because I do think you get a lot of fun out of them. Yeah. Um, I just have no control. And I'm like counting the the five different shops that might sell Pokemon cards that I can go to on my way home from work. And then like I get the buzz out of buying them and not even the opening or like playing the game. Um, Board games I'm I'm very (laughs) much down with. Um, I always like to try new ones. Um, Mm. I keep meaning to go check out the uh, the board game cafe that's not that far from me because there is one uh, fairly local. But I'd like to go and maybe try some games. Uh, last year at Nine Worlds, I got to play some games I'd never played before. Mm-hmm. And that was really fun. Um, I, Hamish and I are planning on playing a game later when we're yeah, done recording. Mysterium. Yeah, which I've been wanting to play for ages because I really the artwork in, on the cards is so gorgeous. There's really lots of interesting... So there's t- like two kinds of card games. There's like collectible card games mm-hmm. and then there's all in the same box card yes. games. Um, me and my friend Lydia actually tried creating our own card yeah, game. Yeah, I remember. It was really fun. It was based on kaiju stuff, mm-hmm. um, which I assume Jet Grind Jaguar is into, because I understood that reference. Um, ah. And we did lots of artwork, and then just the whole scale of trying to make the game yeah. scared us a bit. Um, but very recently we've been interested in bringing it back in a... Because originally we were going to try and make a collectible card game, which is yeah. ridiculous. Right. And we've been trying to work out how a game could fit in a box and be yeah. like a Kickstarter-y thing. Yeah, no, I'm I'm generally a fan. It's sort of more of an access thing. But, um, money. Money. It's a lot of money. <laughs> Though I will say, uh, it's a, a great resource. It's the Geek and Sundry show Tabletop, presented by Will Wheaton. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a really good way to maybe, like, see games and go, oh, yeah, this is a game for me. So, um, yeah, I found it really useful uh, as a tool to go, oh, would I enjoy this game? So that's cool. Um, Rowan on our Facebook group asked oh, a series. Bless Rowan. Rowan just threw a <laughs> load of questions our way, which is These great. are some, I think one of them's a little bit. Anyway, first question What is your favourite bug? Mm, <laughs> I like these kinds of questions. Yeah, these are the sort of fun things when we do rapid fire getting to know yous. Um, probably ladybugs. Mm. I love ladybugs. I find beetles in general. Kind of ones with a shiny carapace. Yeah, there's something. Because I don't really like insects. I'm not a huge... And I'm, I'm very um, arachnophobic. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing to me threatening or disturbing about a beetle. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. They're shiny and pretty. Like even big like ones with huge horns. I've yeah. seen there's someone on Twitter who just has a pet like oh, well, giant horned like, beetle. The, yeah, like the one that in um in uh, a bug's life like with the yeah beak. and they just like oh we're hanging out and like cool. <laughs> the idea that you could bond with one is That's kind of great. funny now um, I, I i love ladybirds whenever mm. a ladybird lands on me i always go oh yeah I, they're like I, the robins like, of yeah i DM. think i was always a big fan of james and the giant peach as well and mm. i always just think of the bugs in that that is yeah casual goth friendly <laughs> miss spider we had uh an infestation of ladybirds all right um in one of our flats, and it's like the nicest infestation ever. Mm. Um, we just found a hole with lots of them in, and I don't know. It's just like if you're gonna be a <laughs> if you're gonna be a bug, be a be a fun, nice, have friendly, bug. pretty colours, be friendly. Um, so I agree. 
Cool. I have the same favourite. Just throw my tablet into my um, face. But the 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 ma- the main meat of the question, yeah. completely unrelated. We like the bug is, question. Though. I'd love to hear your thought uh, thoughts on Chris Chibnall's comments that he'll be taking Doctor Who in a radical new direction. Personally, I am super pumped and ready for something new. Though Pearl Mackey, sad, sad face, face, sad, sad face, face, sad face. But admittedly, I haven't seen Classic Who and have friends who'd like to see a return to various stuff from the original. Um, for those that don't know, Chris Chibnall is the next show Doctor Runner. Who showrunner taking over from Stephen Moffat. Mm-hmm. Um, also, when we recorded yeah, one of Yeah, let, let's episodes, talk about that. <laughs> right, we said in our, was it Geek Out Catch Up or the episode... Yes. Oh no, Gaze in Space. Yeah, we recorded them on the same day. Uh, we said we knew that the announcement about the Doctor was going to be coming out that day. It literally happened about an hour after Hamish left Box Not Included headquarters. <laughs> yeah, a um, little bit frustrating. However, we were delighted to see. Yes. Uh, Jodie Whittaker being announced Sorry. as the Doctor. Um, and I liked the way they did it with the little film thing. I thought that was that was yeah. nice. I appreciate that. The only way we could have been happier would have been a woman of colour. Mm-hmm. However, we're both excited because Jodie Whittaker is an amazing actress. I've loved I remember seeing her in St. Trinian's and thinking she mm. was the best. Uh, her work in Broadchurch is, like, stunningly good. Yeah. Like, she's she, um, got the chops. Yeah, and she definitely commands a room, mm-hmm. draws and, your attention. And everything I've seen of her interviews that were sort of released around the time... Um, where she's been talking about what it means to be the first woman playing the Doctor. She seems very aware, very switched on, very cool. Very thick skin. Yeah. Um, which I always knew the first... Like, the back the backlash is both so frustrating and also less than it might have been a few yeah. um, years ago. I've seen so many people excited to watch it again and yeah. get back into Doctor Who. Um, I'll always mentioned that I do think Stephen Moffat laid a lot of the groundwork for this. Yeah, um, it's um, before we get into Rowan's question, I've actually seen a lot of comments that have deeply rubbed me the wrong way about this change. It's like, oh, finally it's been wrestled from Moffat's garden. Look, there are many, many valid and criti- valid and right criticisms that have been levied against Stephen Moffat. Mm. We're not saying he's not an incredibly flawed human being and writer I'm not saying he doesn't make mistakes but this hasn't happened out of nowhere no he really understands fan like Doctor he's, Who fans he's, a, bit... he's an asshole and he's a troll yes he, but he, he says things to get a reaction that doesn't I'm not trying to defend him as a human being no but the, one of the things that he's said is that he's been asking the female Doctor question every year yeah, and it used to be one hundred percent no, never. Mm-hmm. And he's been asking it every year, and then actively doing things in the show to. I actually think the most important thing he did in the show was a scene in which a um, white male time lord regenerated into into a black woman. Yeah, on screen. That's more important. More important than like Missy and everything, um, because that's just his like that's canon. You can do whatever you want. There's no more excuses. Um. Yeah, he could have cast a woman as the Doctor. But I do think characters like Clara and River Song and Missy mm. and things like that were... Yeah, I, I don't think we should ignore the groundwork laid, even if you could argue that the groundwork was through a pile of shit. 
<laughs> There's yes. still a path that he put down there, even if it maybe wasn't the most pleasant path to walk along at all times. That was a very um, crude analogy. Um, so let's talk about Chris Chibnall. Was Chris Chibnall the showrunner or was he like lead writer on Torchwood? I think Torchwood didn't really have a clear showrunner because it was Russell T. Davies's show, but yeah. he barely wrote any of it. Yeah, I know Chris Chibnall did write a lot. I think he was a lead uh, a lead writer? A lead writer. I've said before that Cyberwoman is like the worst thing that's ever happened in the Doctor Universe. We How... were talking about this. It's the design of yeah. her that's the worst thing. If you take that out of it... It's, it's a... like kind of a claustrophobic and scary episode. Yeah, it's there's just... a lot to like about that episode. It's just you do get distracted by the fucking awful monster design. Yeah, and I can't... I don't know. Chris is... It's very interesting. When Stephen Moffat took over... He had so many Doctor episodes that we with like such a very clear voice. Yeah, whereas we don't have that with Chris, not for Doctor Who. No. We do know his work from Torchwood. And Broadchurch, which I think is yes. almost more relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's... He gets community and yeah. he gets people. Well, and I... he has a good flavour for... He, t- he likes sci-fi. Yeah, I mean, even in his Doctor Who stuff... Um, he created, and I think he co like whatever is yeah. the title. He was the first person to write both Kate Stewart, the unit head, and mm-hmm. also Rory's dad. Um, oh right! He wrote both the episodes of Rory's dad in, and it's very interesting that in three seasons of Stephen Moffat writing Amy and Rory, we didn't really get a hold of any of their personal life. Yeah. And then in two episodes, Chris Chibnall wrote Rory's dad, which was so fitting and such a good character and very memorable. Yeah. Um, so I think he, I think he's very good at characters and people. Um, but I think Broadchurch and his other work shows that... Oh, he wrote a couple of episodes of Life on Mars. Yeah. Sorry, I, I pulled up his IMDb <laughs> page. So um, because like... Him saying, I want to take Doctor Who in an exciting new direction, trying to think about what he has written and I what do that know might... I some things. What do you know? So, I have connections. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know some of the things. I do know that when he talked about an exciting new direction, that's mostly referring to the female Doctor, because okay. that was the condition of him getting it. Okay. Um he they've said a few times oh the best person for the job but chris chibnall said he was offered it and said i will take the job if we can have a female doctor okay i have to say that chris chibnall wrote some of my favorite episodes of torchwood he wrote Mm -hmm. countryside which Mm -hmm. is like terrifying as an episode of television he wrote adrift and fragments and exit wounds Mm -hmm which is one of the most gut-wrenching episodes of Torture to exist. And the episodes of Doctor Who he wrote, um, The Magician's Apprentice, The Power of Three, which I... <laughs> He's... Um... Also, also, also uh, Cold Blood and the Hungry Earth, which is a fantastic pair of episodes. I think Stephen Moffat is very good at plots and like ideas, mm-hmm. but I think what we really want from Doctor Who mm. is someone who can make us cry and yeah. like I think looking at that Chris Chibnail really gets characters mm. but knows how to weave them within a plot I hope that Chris doesn't 
is doesn't feel as bogged down by the mythology of the doctor as entity. Yeah. And we maybe see a more, I don't want to say more human doctor, but rather the a doctor or the show where it's less about that. I if anybody looking at this, I'm waving my tablet. Um <laughs> It looks like if anyone's going to give me the poly relationship I desperately want to see on a family <laughs> show, it's going to be Christian. Yeah, I mean, I... Um, he uh, knows how to work with actors. Yeah. He writes for great ensemble pieces. I Think about what... He, I Looking over those lists, his stories that I've seen do not seem to be massively dominated by one individual, even when you have real big powerhouse actors. And I think that is a really exciting thing to see. The thing, so I've always wanted a female doctor, but I didn't really want Stephen Moffat to write it. Probably didn't even want um, Russell T. Davis to write a female doctor. Yeah. Um, and I feel like Chris will be able to give us a female doctor without it being mm. like a shower off kind of pat on the back yeah, type thing. Yeah, thinking about Ellie in Broadchurch, played by Olivia Coleman, and all of the amazing female characters in Broadchurch. Yeah, I'm excited. So uh, uh, the, a few little things I have heard. Yes. Is the series is no longer going to have um, one writer writes an episode. Instead, it's going to have a writer's room in which okay. a bunch of writers, and not just script writers, but apparently um, like science fiction authors and young adult okay. authors... And a few comedians are in this writer's room. They structure the whole series and the episodes together. And then the script writers and Chris actually draft up the episodes themselves. That could be really interesting to see what we get. I also know that the writer's room have been doing that for the next series and the series after together at the same time. Ooh. And something cohesive could occur. Apparently. So that that's like very confirmed y kind of stuff. More into speculationy, rumory things. Speculationy. Uh, apparently, there's no returning monsters at all next season. Oh, interesting. And the rumor, rumor is the companions will be a boy and a girl. Do we get a team Tardis? Team Tardis, probably. Um, yeah, yeah. There's other things, but I think when he said exciting new direction like the thing i'm excited about is that even scenes we've seen a million times before will just feel different yeah the doctor stood up in a room and and giving this big speech or trying to save a companion but failing and yeah. shouting at the daleks they're all just going to feel slightly different and i think that's what people wanted yeah um at the end of that question there was a little add-on oh no <laughs> what direction uh, you guys would take if you were showrunners? Oh, is that no. showrunners together? Well, I'm assuming this is Hamish as showrunner and me as the Doctor, where oh. <laughs> there's been a backslide in representation. They've gone back to a white person, <laughs> but you know, a non-binary white person. So yeah. progress. Um, I've thought a lot about this. You have. This is what I do. This is what I daydream about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely a career goal. I, to write on Doctor Who. Yes. Showrunner is... You are the most hated person in geekdom. <laughs> um, I don't envy anything. I think genuinely one of the reasons Chris Chibnall was hesitant was he just saw Stephen Moffat be this kind of yeah. broken husk. Um, <laughs> he, well, that man has aged so badly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and I suppose because I think I remember ages ago we I think Hamish and I were just talking casually and it's just like what sort of companion would we do um and before we started recording uh, I think various things like when you think about oh would I want we want to tackle big themes if we were running Doctor Who yeah. um I would like to maybe see a team TARDIS that involves two female companions we were talking about an interview with Karen Gillan and Jenna Coleman and just seeing women together yeah but if we get a female companion with a female doctor but three women get let's get that TARDIS full of bras yeah but um I always I'd like to see more um more alieny stuff I suppose I'd like to see maybe more robot stuff like um I'm currently planning something at the moment so my brain is very much sort of AI's <laughs> mode and talking thinking about robots and also classism and things like that. And those are themes that interest me personally. I think the thing I... What would... it is to be human, like transhumanism, I suppose, and things yeah. like that. The big thing I'd want to do is just remind writers to not write Doctor Who and instead try and write the best time-travelling friends in space show you can i think that's cool i think quite often doctor who gets a little bit obsessed with itself and thinks oh we've got to do a base under siege because that's what doctor who always does or yeah we've got to do a dalek episode we've got to do this kind of episode and so much trying to capture previous episode feelings mm-hmm. um I don't think every Doctor Who episode needs to have a big alien threat or needs to be an invasion or needs to be... I'd love to see episodes which is just purely about exploration and discovery and, like, the joy of the universe. And I think when you watch other TV shows, you watch it to see the development of the characters and to see what's going to happen next in their personal lives. And Mm -hmm. I think that should be the draw. Yes. Like, I think the Doctor and the Companion should be... A relationship that's enough to warrant you watching, yeah. Without the trappings around it, yeah, yeah. I suppose I, something that's less beholden to the mythology that has gone before. It's just that everyone always talks about Doctor Who having the most loose format in the world, but and it's yet, also so, so formulaic. For yeah, and it's just like the show should never be formulaic. Yeah, you can do anything. Yeah, which um, I appreciate. If you can do anything, that becomes quite a terrifying notion. So <laughs> why wouldn't you necessarily? Well, we know this works. That's okay. That's yes. cool. Um, I'd also, I said, when the show was first created, Mm -hmm. they wanted it to be educational and it very quickly didn't become that. There's like the first chunk of William Hartnell's episodes when they first come across Daleks was like a 10 minute explanation about static electricity and how that powers them. And, um, that all of the historical episodes, none of them had aliens in. It was all about learning the about history. history and getting caught up in some historical event. Yeah. It um, might be cool to try and capture some of yeah, I'd some love of to, that vibe. I'd love to base episodes more around like, ooh, there's an interesting new scientific discovery. Let's mm. like the reason the Cybermen exist is that yeah. people were concerned about yeah. prosthetics. Sci fi uh, being used to explore themes that are relevant to us. Yeah. I'd also like an Amelia Earhart episode. Oh yes. Fun. That would be nice. Let's Should be a me- good companion. Mm. Let's have Amelia Earhart picked up by uh, me and Clara. There was, um, there's a, in, I was listening to some Big Finish and Paul McGann has, a, has Mary Shelley as a companion for cool. like four stories. But every single one is like, oh no, if Mary dies, then that could change all of history. And I'm like, 
Yes, I know. We, Put her we back. Get it. We get it. Uh, <laughs> um, speaking of Amelia Earhart, just uh, as a brief aside, I did see a, a great, I think it was on Tumblr, a post. Uh, uh, what happened to Amelia Earhart was that her ship crashed on the island where the Amazons live and she was just like, I'm going to stay here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Relevant to my interests. I want to watch that version of Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, uh, you know what, Hamish? Yeah. I'm feeling kind of parched. So am I. Now for a tea break? Absolutely. Cool. It's the middle of the show. We're very excited to talk about things. Yes, thank you for listening. I hope these questions have been entertaining. And I hope we have been insightful. Yeah, our expertise on the matters of queer and geeky media. Yeah, Um, we are so experty. We are also very grateful to be sponsored... By the amazing Beastly Beverages, fandom and fantasy, luxury, hand-blended, loose-leaf tea, and... Tea-related geeky paraphernalia. The business is queer-owned, all ingredients are organic and fairly traded, and almost everything is suitable for vegans. It's very cool. Um, I don't know, because I hadn't looked at the middle of this. I was just thinking for a product spotlight today, because I was like, oh no, and you'd actually typed exactly what I was looking at. Oh yes, no, these are the new, the latest things. Beastie Beverages usually has teas inspired by geeky fandom and... Mm-hmm other such things, um, but have just launched a range of teas inspired by classic literature. Uh-huh. Um, and the one we're going to talk about today is the Adventures of Sherlock Holmes tea, mm-hmm. which is an English breakfast tea. Um, yeah, they're so new, we don't have a fancy <laughs> description for it, but um, I've had some previous Beastie Beverages English breakfast tea blends before, and they've always been amazing. Can you explain to me what an English breakfast tea is? No, I cannot. Really not? No, I know it's um, a, probably a particular variant, but um, I tend to find them a bit maybe sweeter and a little bit lighter. Okay. Or maybe they're a bit stronger. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I could make you a cup of tea and uh, that's the breakfast tea and you'd be able to make a choice for yourself. But well, I, I like them. I think um, Beastie Beverages is good at lots of different kinds of teas, but I personally have always enjoyed the mm. English, English, English breakfast blends. Um in the past, and so it's really exciting to see um, one coming back. Well, Beastly Beverages often gives quite detailed ingredient descriptions, and this said English breakfast tea, so you have to use your own Sherlock Holmes like. Yeah, you can taste the tea and you work skills. out the ingredients that are within it. Um, and yes, it has beautiful artwork and it makes you feel like Sherlock Holmes. Um, you can buy that at beastlybeverages.com. They've also got a Patreon, a Facebook, a Tumblr, a Twitter, and an Instagram. And the best thing is you can use the sponsor code BEVERAGEBEAST... All one word, capital Bs. <laughs> to, give, ...to get free shipping when you spend £20 or more. They ship worldwide as well, so don't think, oh, I'm in America, this is going to cost me loads. This is the time. Use this code, get it Be shipped. in America, drink your English breakfast tea, and tell me, and, and think of England. Yeah. <laughs> um, Once again, that's BEVERAGEBEAST. At BEASTLYBEVERAGES.COM. Yeah. Lastly, for the middle section of the show, not for the whole show, um, this weekend, Nine World Geek Fest is happening. Yes, it's our final time to plug Yeah, the Box Not Included live show. Yeah, it is. It's going to be amazing. We're really excited to have somebody with us, Matt Baum. He's a journalist. We're going to talk about cosplay and crossplay and... Everything in between. Everything in between. We're going to be in cosplay. Yeah. Do we tell people what we're doing? 
Um, We're doing characters that we have mentioned on this podcast many times. Before. We've actually more or less mentioned it on this episode. Second uh, question. Yeah, yeah, we have. Uh, yeah. Um, but we're going to be talking about cosplay. We're going to hopefully see lots of cool cosplay and promote mm-hmm. it a lot and take pictures for our social medias. Yes. I'm terrified. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> you just channel your character. Yes. And I'm just channeling all the live podcast episodes I've ever watched. Yeah. Uh, embrace the chaos. You can still get a weekend ticket. Yes. You can also buy day tickets. Yes. There is... I want to say there's no excuse not to come, but it really is easy to come. Yes, it is 10am on Saturday yeah. morning. Start um, your day off right with Box Not Included. Whoop, whoop. I feel like most people listen to Box Not Included on their commute anyway. That's true. So, so it's the natural podcast time yeah. of day. And, and I mean, we are going to record the episode and it will get released on the street, on our usual yes. place. But it'd be cool to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. You want to be in the room where it happens. <laughs> That is not the topic. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but we will do that one day, maybe. Mm. Um, so, yes, that's just what we wanted to say. It's yeah. literally this Saturday. Yeah. Well, it, the convention technically starts on Thursday night, Thursday evening. Yes, Content it does. starts then. Um, I mentioned a few times that I've, I'm doing another panel, but I'm <laughs> since no longer doing yeah. that panel. I'm still doing my workshop on getting started in Dungeons & Dragons. What day is that? That is on Saturday at six o'clock. I'm very excited to come to that. I can actually come to that. Yeah, so if you get a day ticket, you can get double the box not included people. And say hello to us as we walk around the convention in our silly cosplays. We'd love to see silly. you. I picked I picked up an element element of our cosplays this morning. We are very excited, you guys. Yes. I bet we're going to be... Getting lots of questions where I hope we got so. them. I hope so. Anyway. Anyway. I'm very excited. This is the last time we'll talk about it until you actually listen to our live show. Yeah, we'll probably do that. And we'll probably do a breakdown about the convention afterwards. Yes. And we'd like to do more, hopefully, if it goes well. Yeah. You finished your tea? Um, yes. I now know what an English breakfast tea is. Uh, yeah, because I gave you such <laughs> a detailed, in-depth description. It's delicious. Let's get back to the uh, these amazing questions we've been sent. So we got a question from Frankie on our Facebook group who asked us, uh, after the success of Wonder Woman as a female-led superhero film, do you think the next new risky thing for DC and Marvel would be LGBT plus representation? And how do we think they could go about that? That's a doozy of a deli of a pickle. I don't think it's going to be that quick and simple. (laughs) Nope. Considering how long it's taken them to get to uh, a woman... Leading the... Yeah, I mean, maybe 50 more years you can explain. No, no, I hope it's not that. I mean, the fact of the matter is, a casual LGBT plus rep would be something. Like, there's a lot of it sort of skirting around the edges. And what's frustrating is it's in the comics a lot. But what's frustrating is that Wonder Woman is an LGBT representation film. It's just, they don't like to mention it. Yeah, um, though I do approve of Gal Gadot pushing for Halle Berry to be the love interest <laughs> in the next Wonder Woman movie. She's like, you go, Gal Gadot. This is the problem, though, is that actors are always for it. You always hear directors being, yeah, for it, and everyone's so pro and, like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. it. Part of me thinks, like, the negative reaction to uh, the 13th Doctor casting just shows that as positive and happy as you think things are, yeah, the world has a lot of growing up still to do. Um, that it does, and I'd love it to happen. I 
it's more shameful in certain things. Like, for example, the X-Men franchise. Yeah. Like, we all know what it's all a metaphor for, and yet characters who are canonically not straight in the comics get yeah straightwashed. Yeah. Um, I suppose that's what it, we'd like to see. Like, be true to your fucking canon. Like, I appreciate that the movies are separate to the comics and that the comics have an awful lot of canon to draw upon. Yeah. However, it's there. People like the comics. My big hope is for Deadpool 2. Ooh, yeah. Um, I really want... I nev- two A year ago, you would have never said that sentence to me. I know. I still don't like Deadpool culture. Yes, but um, I think that's because a lot of people use... I say people... A lot of a certain kind of male geek, because I don't really see many ladies who choose to dress up as Deadpool doing this, embrace that, what they think Deadpool is. Yeah. Um, it's I, the same sort of people that like to dress up as the Joker and be a dick. Yeah, and but the thing is, Deadpool comes with other problems. Like, as much as I would really like them to acknowledge his sexuality, even though I do not think the representation in the first one was of a straight man. Yep. Um... It still would be in a Deadpool movie, so a kind of an R-rated kind of pastiche of comic books. Yeah. I think what I would love is just just to make a film that, mm. oh, the superhero has, you know, a boyfriend or a yeah. girlfriend or something. And One thing I have seen, and I appreciate that this is not canon, or at least my understanding is not canon, and it probably shouldn't be given the actor, I have seen a lot of discussion around Spider-Man Homecoming about people sort of interpreting Peter Parker as a a trans man. Mm -hmm. Like certain dialogue choices and things like emphasising being a man. And and I've read some of that meta. And obviously we know that headcanons are not representation, but to see that applied so heartily and such passion to something like Spider-Man, such a big franchise. Yeah. When they're constantly rebooting and stuff with younger and younger Characters, that's not quite where I was going. But um, I, I think oh, there's talk about like Young Avengers and things like that. Mm. So something like one Young Avengers, canonically, most of them are queer. I believe, my understanding is, I think there's a, I remember seeing this great panel from a Young Avengers comic, which is, I don't know the character's name, but uh, a, a, a young woman just like, um, am I the only straight one here in America? Chavez turns around <laughs> and says, I've seen the way you look at me. Yeah. <laughs> You're not straight. I mean, another another point of hope is um, they're making a Gotham City Sirens movie. Yeah. Um, which would feature Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, and Catwoman. And DC... Those renowned heterosexual ladies. <laughs> Those straight icons. Yes. Um, and DC acknowledged, and it, 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 there's content there of the fact that Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy... Um, Have canonically been a couple... Yeah, there. Um, I recently bought Injustice, the DC Universe fighting game. Oh yeah, and um, one of the best things about it is that the dialogue they have when fighting is different depending on the pair up. Oh okay. Um, and it's it's pretty. It feels very male gazy and silly and not taken seriously. But when you fight with Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy together, they mention a lot of that, and they talk about like, um. Oh, this beats our pillow fights at our sleepovers and stuff like that. And it's just like, (sighs) as much as I am hopeful, I'm like, this won't be directed and written in the right way. But But, I mean, 
hell, if we can get more things like female directed or queer directed, there is hope. Where there's yeah. tears, there's hope. Uh, but that's one of the reasons Wonder Woman was so good, is that you could yeah. just feel the love of women, but not in a kind of pedestaled, creepy way, in yeah. like a we're strong and yeah. amazing kind of way. But yes, um, so how would they go about it? Hire queer, cre- hire queer directors and queer writers and embrace the canon. We that say is- this, but like, Brian Singer's gay but, and directed yeah, all the X-Men mm. and then... Um, Schumacher directed all those Batman films. Like point taken. I think I agree. I think it just That's not the it. That's not it. That's not always. Yeah. There's been a few things in recent years where it's just happened and mean so matter of fact and the world hasn't blown up. Yeah. More of that. Um that'd be great. Yeah. I don't know. I I wanna just say because sorry, but like the whole idea of like how would you go about it, honestly, I was so disappointed. In Age of Ultron, yeah. when Hawkeye's big secret thing he was keeping away from the team <sighs> was like, oh, a wife and kids. Great. Yeah, let's think it's outside that, the box. It's that kind of thing. It's like, why did why did that character need to be straight? What does that say about the character? Like, if you're going to say, oh, Black Widow and Hawkeye can't be a couple, make the reason more satisfying? or and it Interesting. Feels, ba- feels bad, because often I'm talking about erasing female characters from these films in which they're already quite scarce but like fair point if how i'd go about it i'm not someone who believes that disney is going to make their big main character captain america suddenly gay or bisexual or something like that i don't think that's realistic to hope for so if i'd have to go about it i would just say Someone like Hawkeye or someone who doesn't have their own franchise, who's in the Avengers film, doesn't change the world just to yeah. give them a boyfriend. <laughs> give Nebula a girlfriend. That's what I want to say yes. in War. Yes. That'll be great. Um, now, Rory, my brother, this is my brother, the other Steel. <laughs> there is also another Steel. The other, other Steel. The, one of the other Steels um, asked a couple of questions on Twitter. Cool. Um, one was, which universe would you most like to live in, Animal Crossing or Pokemon? What would you like to live in, Jade? Probably, uh, see, do I out, <laughs> do I out myself as a fairy? Um, <laughs> that was not what I'm thinking. That doesn't explain which universe you want to be in, either. <laughs> no, I think Animal Crossing, what I understand, is very cute, but I do like the idea of having Pokemon. But I think there's lots of interest. I've seen such interesting analysis about what a real living in the Pokemon world is yes. like. Some of it I find genuinely kind of alarming. I mean, I did, let's send a 10-year-old out on the road. Mm, there's questions to be asked about what kind of society does that, whereas Animal Crossing seems kind of nice and lovely, but yeah. I feel I can't really answer that question. Though if I got to be a fox person, that would be cool. Oh, mine is like obviously Animal Crossing. There's barely any crime. Everyone's happy and content. The best thing in the world is just a nice orange. Um, that sounds good. Pokemon, you live in a world where if you like step one step out of your town giant man-sized bees will come and attack you that is an alarming uh, there's multiple organized crime rings trying to blow up the world wouldn't be bored though gods just exist trying to destroy everything true but i get the feeling i get bored in animal crossing yes so i suppose it depends what you want out of life <laughs> ask yeah ask on a different day i'll say the other thing yeah um rory also asked if physical media is still important to us, do we still feel the need to own things or does streaming slash downloads, has streaming slash downloads changed the way you consume? 
I mm. like to have things. I like to have things. Um, I have too many things. That's also true. I, mean, I like owning DVDs and Blu-rays. Yes. I Music is a very different kind of thing. Um, so I don't feel like... We'll get uh, we'll get our producer Graham in to to rant about <laughs> music. Um, but... I feel like when I buy something, the importance of it has changed. Yes. Um, when I want to own something, it's because I really truly like it. Yeah, I like having the option to stream and download mm. to 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 try out things. I also listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah, which are by their very nature free and. That is how they are designed to be consumed. I feel like it's just open things out, but I like physical books. Not that I read much these days, but I like the act of having a book. I like the act of having a Blu-ray. Yeah, I, I, I think I buy a lot of comic books and art books. And yeah. I would never... No format's going to make that better for me. Yes. I've tried reading comics on a laptop and... It's not the same. It's, no, it's not good. And like often web comics, I don't really... Focus on until they're da- like printed. Yeah. Um, songs, I think, they're a natural fit for being streamable. Yeah. Personally, but then, I I do think the culture of buying records or yeah. buying a physical album is still nice. Yes. But then again, I would reserve that for things I absolutely really love that loved. are very important to me. Yeah. Um, and like yeah, with films, it's changed. I used to just buy anything I liked, and yeah. now I'm. I'm... Limited on space, so you only buy the stuff you really like. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, that said, I, do I own three versions? No, I think I own two versions of Pacific Rim. Like, because I have it on both. I think I have it. On, do I have it on DVD and Blu-ray? Anyway, I would own all of the <laughs> versions. Um, I, the thing I... Recently, games have been trying to get you to download them. Oh, right. Um, I still buy my games physically because you can sell games and get quite a lot of money off them and you can't do that with downloadable things. No, you can't. But obviously there's some games which only come mm. out download. Yeah. But no, I think um, it has changed the way I consume, but it also hasn't stopped me yeah. buying physical physical media. Cool question, though. Yes. Um. Right. <laughs> um, David sent us a, a really long email about JoJo's Bizarre Adventures. Did you read it? I didn't see it. You need to add me to the email account. I thought you were part of the email account. No. Oh, well, it's like... It, well, you know the... Yeah, I know the password. You, I just need to set, set it up, up on my computer. You set up the email. Did I? Yes. <laughs> this was a while ago. You set it up. <laughs> this is not me having a go at you. I have not read the. I have not read David's epic It's a b- It's a big geek out about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and I feel bad because we have very little exposure to it. Yeah, um, all I really know about it is sort of some very epic fashion choices (laughs) and some very dynamic looking animation. Yeah. I very much only know it sort of secondhand and I feel like I should maybe check it out. Well, I... But it seems very cool and very strange. I was going to reply to the email and say, um, I'm sorry, we haven't really watched it, but thanks for the email. But um, I actually do a kind of a JoJo story. It's not really a story. Basically, I... Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, like many big long-running mangas, I have bought the first co- first edition, the first mm. volume, read it, loved it, gone to the store to pick up the another one, and then just been aware of how much shelf space how much, and money yeah. becoming a fan of this will me- mean, and it's that's a shame. That's a, that's an example of a format I don't like. 
Um, I know some people love like getting a million copies mm. of the manga and having them all lined up, but if I maybe look, there's probably something like a manga streamy online things where you can read them. Yeah. It just feels like the designs to be kind of disposable. I know in Japan they come out so much that you mm. buy them, read them, and then trade them into shops, and there's oh, a cool. lot of culture of that. Um, but yeah, it was really cool. It was really good and like shocking and it's so, yeah. I was very envious of just the storytelling leaps yeah. it took cool. and how angry everyone was all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. Um, I mean, as a title, it just appeals to me. Yes. So I have to feel like I should probably check it out. It is so. definitely bizarre. Cool. Um, okay, we got an, an anonymous. Are we moving on? An anonymous. Yeah. I put this question in as well because it's similar to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It's a question about something I don't think we've Mm-mm. watched. Um, I'm looking it up now. You ask. But yes, it's an anonymous question from Tumblr asking about the Loud House. Um, but recently revealed one of the kid characters had a crush on a girl. The actual question was about. It said it confirmed the character was bisexual, mm-hmm. which I feel differently about because i watched the clip okay um it's really cool one of the the loud house is a nickelodeon cartoon series this looks very cool um about a boy who lives with his many sisters ten Ten sisters. sisters um the show has already got uh thumbs up from yeah. me in terms of representation um the kid's best friend has two gay dads um Cool. Very openly, it's not sort of oh, because I know Clarence does the same thing, but there's a it's sort of subtly. But please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, what a good bunch of character designs. Yeah, it's really cool. I like when I first saw one it, of these kids is a little goth girl called Lucy, and I am and she in a recent episode. Yeah. The episode was about how. Uh, in the house, someone found an, a love letter to someone called Sam, mm-hmm. and everyone in the all the girls were fighting over. Oh, it's not me! It's not me! Yeah. Um, Twisters was it her, and then you find out Sam's a girl. Okay, well, this is cool to me because what uh, we were talking about—I forget how which—I think it was one of our catch-ups, or it might have been another no-box about mm. representation in kids' media. Mm. This is the kind of thing that we talk about, like. Yeah. That's amazing to hear. And, and the fact that this, this is an eight... Looking at this uh, breakdown of the characters, this is an eight-year-old. This is great. Like, we talk about you, we need to remove the sexualization of same gender attraction. Yeah. And that is fantastic to see. Yeah. It, um, that's also kind of hilarious that that's a goth girl with a girlfriend called Sam. Because when my sister was going through her goth phase, she also kind of had a girlfriend called Sam. <laughs> So that's very amusing to me. I actually quite like that it's the goth girl and they didn't try and uh, not make it the obvious choice. There's quite often when people say, uh, non-queer people think, oh, it's so much more progressive to make the very clearly quoted as queer character not the queer one. It's actually one of the normal ones. Yeah. I quite like that it's... The one who's a bit make- offbeat. Yeah. Um, that's cool. And I watched the scene and like, no... Part of it is meant to be anything other than she has a crush on a girl and the girl reads the note and smiles. That's and so cute! It's fun to wonder where this is going to go. That's lovely. Um, oh, thank you for telling us about that anonymous Yeah, I had, I had not seen any about this and I keep a track of queer cartoon news, so... Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, anonymous oh, person. I'm very happy. Um, it's got from one titan of great animation to another. Mm. Uh, we got an email from Good Doggo. <laughs> 
<laughs> good, good name. <laughs> Saying, discuss the emoji movie. Do we have to discuss the emoji movie? Um, when are you going to see it? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. And I'm not. No. Why does this movie It has exist? a shocking 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Has that Tomatoes. ever happened before? So Rotten Tomatoes just means... It's an aggregate site. Yeah, and if it gets... So it has had no positive reviews, which is very rare. And a positive review can be like a three star where they make a lot of complaints, but say at the yeah. end, like, kids might like it. Mm-hmm. This is bad. bad. And it actually comes with a little uh, twinge of extra annoyance because... Yeah. Um, Who was it made by? Sony Animation Group. Okay. Um, they... It's not at this simple. It's a lot more complex than that. But Always is. in the story of movie history, it will be decided that they chose this over a Genji Tardr... What's his name? Person who created Samurai Jack. Oh, okay. Um, oh, Gennady um, Tartarovsky? Yes. Uh, was doing a Popeye reboot. And there's like this animation... Oh, man! There's this animation test online that's beautiful. And it, they decided it, to it's doing that kind of cool where it's CGI, but it looks very 2D. Cool. Like the Captain Underpants movie that's just come out. I haven't seen it. Um, uh, that's uh, getting yeah. good reviews. Cool. But it's annoying that that'll probably... Like, for the Emoji movie has had 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, but is apparently doing quite well. Um, a lot morbid of people, curiosity. Morbid curiosity. I don't think a lot of parents... Know what it is. ...see the difference in between anything cartoony. They just... Yeah. Um... I don't know. Looks bad. Looks bad. There's this photo of Patrick Stewart on the red carpet. He voices the poo emoji. I did kind of respect Patrick Stewart for turning <laughs> up someone that will give him a paycheck. And it's just like him looking dead. And... Yeah. <sighs> oh, Patrick Stewart can give gravitas to a lot of things. That Shakespearean... That powerhouse. This sounds very morbid, but I, he needs to do another film. This please do another film. This can't be his last film no. like, I know that sounds morbid and horrible but like no let, please let Patrick Stewart, don't let this be his legacy <laughs> I thought that he would have been a good war doctor ooh that would have been cool or something like that oh no I missed John Hurt yeah well John Hurt missed out on being in the Emoji movie they probably would have gone yeah. <laughs> fair um finally mm-hmm. um Henry on our Facebook group asked, should creators feel scared to tell their own fandoms that a ship isn't canon? Why might that hurt fans? Why is that an example? Or not, if you think otherwise, of fandoms taking it too far? (sighs) This question I felt odd about. Just because um, it was in reference to something happening in Supergirl that I am not aware of. Yeah. So I don't want to comment too much on that. Yeah, no, I don't. I've seen stuff vaguely around the topic I don't know the details again I don't I don't watch Supergirl either but I follow people on both sides of it both yeah. being very staunchly angry on their side and both and me kind of agreeing with both sides yeah. and feeling like maybe whatever um, but boiling it down to this question because I feel like we talked about it briefly with Riverdale yes um, on our queer baiting episode mm-hmm. should should creators we? feel scared to tell their fandoms a ship isn't canon. No. I don't think I if you if you are saying honestly we love the passion that the fandom has for this pairing but we 
don't intend to take the characters in that place. Yeah. I think you as a creator is are within your right to do so. It's hard because I, I can understand not wanting to get people's hopes up. Yes, that's kind of where I'm coming from, especially when it's when you are at risk of queer baiting. I feel I do feel like one, you possibly shouldn't put lots of stuff for it in the first place and yeah. they go, not gonna happen. Don't act like you're surprised when you Yes. Have... It is one thing if a pairing sort of develops and you go, Oh, really? We weren't aiming for that. It's a different thing if you do a will they, won't they? No, they won't. Idiots. Mm. That's a very different kind of thing. So I only recently realised that I'd never really shipped something before. Oh, really? In that way, I don't really... Because I started shipping something. What did you start shipping? Um, it was in Gilmore Girls. <laughs> uh Ironically enough, a place where I'm fairly certain a lot of people started their shipping. Yeah, no, I just, I'd never experienced that before. I found it quite hard to not just want the relationship and the story they were telling to pan out. Yeah. Um, Aww, Hamish's yes. first OTP! But, oh, Rory Gilmore and Paris Geller are so <laughs> right for each other, but it's so clearly the story they're telling, but... It was just made in a different climate, yeah. and they didn't realise that was an option, maybe. Yeah. Um, um, I, I think this is a difficult thing, and uh, what was that, why that might hurt fans. When your fans are desperate for representation, I think this is particularly when it comes to uh, queer pairings. Because mm -hmm. if you're not doing something purely because we don't want it to be queer, then that hurts. But I don't know if... As I don't know the details of the of, of what's happened in Supergirl. I know some details. Do you want to elaborate? Part of it, part of the um, fandom as being bad side, yeah, are saying that um, the show already has quite good queer representation in terms of it has a major character and they're telling that story quite openly. Yeah. Um, focus on that, maybe. Okay. That sounds. That's not. I'm. I almost don't want to explain anything. Okay. But I, but the the other thing I've heard a quote from some cast member saying that my or that character had better chemistry before they had to be a lesbian and become have chemistry with female characters. And if the wording's really bad, it's like okay. when she turned lesbian. Okay. Um, but quotes taken out of context, people say things in bad ways. I I can't comment because I don't know. Yeah, I've I, I I'm trying to like piece together, look it up. Um, in general, we just want everyone to be happy yeah, and like. We do. I, um, I I do think there are cases where fandom has maybe got a little bit tin hatty. Yeah. But the thing is, people get passionate about stuff, and I understand that, and I empathise with that. I have been that person but just because a, a pairing is popular doesn't mean you have the right to demand it of the creators also there's just a way to say it like yeah Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss did say multiple times I Sherlock and about, I don't want to talk about Sherlock again. but they they said that's that's not canon and yet continued to bait it bait it um they should have you can say it's not canon but also Show that. Also, guys, do check out Sherlock is Garbage and here is why. Because <laughs> that video essay is amazing. Yes. 
and I very mean, well researched. Everyone and written. And... Everyone knows that I'm I'm always defending elements of the last era of Doctor Who. Now I don't again. really defend Sherlock. No. Yeah. And I don't defend Stephen Moffat. I think he can do his own defending. Yes. <laughs> um, I just like, I still like Doctor Who and I don't want to feel like a bad person. <laughs> yeah. That's where I come from. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that video is really good. It's, it's like an hour and... It's not hour 20 long. minutes. It's, it's fantastic. Though. If anyone says, do you want to watch an hour and a half long film video essay? essay, I instantly go, absolutely, yes. Mm. Sometimes Lydia comes over just to watch. Like... <laughs> <laughs> um, Lydia's, I'm enjoying that. Lydia's the best. I'm watching, enjoying those um, Transformers ones. Oh, by Lindsay Ellis. Yes, they're the whole fantastic. Plate. The whole plate. No, that uh, I genuinely really recommend Lindsay Ellis as a as a podcaster. Mm. As a, sorry, as a YouTuber. Um, I started watching her stuff years ago when she was still like the nostalgia chick on with Planet or- uh, Pro- uh, Channel Awesome. Yeah. Uh, but her analysis is frequently amazing, and I often find it very insightful and helpful to my own analysis of media. Yes, she's and currently her, her um, doing a, a series on the doing, Transformers movies, and they're fan. Yeah, she's going through every single important school, school of, of thought, th- school of criticism. Like of, we've had like auteur theory and uh, feminist critique. Uh, only using the Transformers films. It's fantastic and amazing. That's great. Um, so that has a, a brief. Uh, out of nowhere, geek out catch up yeah. recommendation at the end, but it felt relevant. Um, yeah, it's 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 a thorny issue, like because you don't want to disappoint your fans, but fans can also get to a point where what they're expecting or wanting is perhaps is perhaps unrealistic, or I think it depends about how you go about it as a fan. But I do think as a creator, if you have not been a bait and switch bastard, mm. you, I think you're allowed to say we don't intend for the characters to be in that relationship I there are they, ways to do yeah it, they want to say like they often say we don't intend this but it's cool you think this yes and that's almost worse in a way I don't, like, whether um it's hard just like i think it's one thing to say we see a lot of passion for that pairing and we, we love that you love these characters but we can't we aren't going in that direction with them mm. you never know i don't know we were going to be doing an episode about uh Queer content creators are a bit different, but just yeah. the, diff- the the sort of relationship between creator and yeah consumer consumer yeah because um, it's thorny and mm. but but that's a later episode yeah and I think that's it for today that's us so if you want to get in contact with us uh, we've got our individual twitters I'm J I'm what am I I'm J Doxford Rose on uh, Twitter and on Twitter I'm Hamish Steele. <laughs> Why is speaking so hard? You'd think we'd be better at this after 25 episodes. <laughs> and uh, that's us individually, but we are also box not included on Twitter and Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the Facebook group we talked about earlier. Yes, the Facebook group, which uh, just search for box not included. It's really fun. Um, yeah, every for like every couple of days we get asked, uh, somebody else is asking to join. We're like, accept. Yes, I don't even see half of them because we... I'm very quick off the ball. Yeah, you get to the questions on Tumblr first. <laughs> I get to the to the Facebook requests. Um, we also get emails. Uh, Boxnonincluded at gmail.com. We do not get enough. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that we read all of them. Yeah, <laughs> we're not at that stage yeah. yet. So currently, Hamish reads all of them. I will set it up so this is not Hamish's fault. This is not me putting Hamish on blast. <laughs> I need to maybe set them to forward to one of my accounts because yeah. I have a lot of things open. I I tend to just check it every few days. Yeah, but we love to get emails from you guys. Um, it'd be awesome. Please please feel free to use it. Suggestions and feedback and questions, questions for next time, or just like 
episode suggestions. Yeah, in all seriousness, like, is there a topic you'd like to see us discuss? Mm-hmm. Let us know. Um, as always, we'd like to thank Graham Waller, Audio Overlord, Master of the Soundwaves, for our theme music and helping produce the podcast. You can check out more of his work at GrahamWaller.com. And I'm delighted to say Glitterwolf have released their second single. Um, and it is amazing. I've I can get this that. stuff for free. I will play it to you uh, after we're done recording. Can we play it in an episode that we did last time? I will speak to the producer <laughs> about... Uh, yes. yes um, listen for that in a, in a future episode. Um, but until next time, I'm Jade Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. And, you know, don't let anybody box you in. <laughs>